Episode 42 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. As always, I'm joined by Jason Lewandowski and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. The USPHL is the nation's largest amateur ice hockey league and the only league to span the continental United States and parts of Canada. The USPHL will field approximately 550 teams in 2020 and 2021, representing over 100 organizations comprised of 11,000 players spanning the ages of 6 through 20. Overall, across all of its divisions, the USPHL had more than 1,200 alumni playing college hockey in 2019 and 20, and more than 250 playing pro hockey, including the NHL. Learn more at usphl.com. Well, boys, last week we had the opportunity to sit down with a few people to talk about high school tournaments that have occurred with league tournaments and then the state tournament uh, approaching that has already been underway. We had the opportunity to speak with Ohio High School Athletic Association Compliance and Eligibility Specialist, Ronald Sayers. That was a really good conversation with, with uh, uh, Ronald. Jay, I know there are some questions that were uh, left out there, um, but maybe not the proper time. And I look forward to having Ronald back on so that we can maybe dive into some further questions with him. No, I agree. Um, <clears throat> I am going to just say no comment. Uh, it was great to have him on. I look forward to having him and or anyone else from the state on because I think there is uh, there there's there's too many questions that need to be asked and too many questions that need answers uh, from the state in regard to our sport. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, well, it. I, I, I got to put you on the spot at least a little bit because you can't we can't tease our listeners with this because we're not going to have, have them on for a while. Like, what is number one thing that you not question, but concern with our sport in the state? My my main concern in in listening to last week and while we were interviewing him as well, and I just it wasn't the right time. So it was just best to keep quiet. But I. I know that in order to have two divisions, it must make sense throughout the board. However, to continually think that our sport is the same as football and basketball, you're out of your mind. And in the what fact, way? In, in what way? Well, you can't you can't govern us the same because we aren't the same. So if you can have seven divisions in football and X amount in basketball, why can't you at least have two in hockey? But we have to get the okay. It has to make sense, and everyone has to sign off for twenty six other things. No, why? 
And it's just a question. Now, my other question is in regard to growing the sport and the continual use of nationwide arena. Um, I understand that one, it's, it's, it's a blessing to be able to use nationwide arena. It's, it's going to be wonderful for the four teams that make it to the ice house <clears throat> to play there. Uh, I understand that they are going to allow limited spectators. That's a fantastic thing. I, I am not down on the state. I think it's great. I think there's a better solution to this. However, this I, year or for years for future forward. for future this year is this year, this year, every hats off to everybody involved for, for making this at least even happen. So my, my concern or question lies in why is it always at one location? Now, obviously in years past, and we're, we're going to date ourselves here up to, I believe it was 2002. It would, the venue would change between Bowling Green and uh, Brooklyn in Cleveland. I'm not saying go back to that. But I'm saying you in the days that, that those were the two venues, the majority of the hockey was played in those areas, in the Toledo area, Bowling Green area, in the Cleveland East and West area. The majority of the hockey was there. I understood the reasoning for using those two venues. Now you have more teams out of uh, uh, Cincinnati, more teams out of Dayton, more teams out of the southern central part of the state. You have more teams in Columbus. You have uh, eh, probably a few less in Toledo. However, you want to grow our game. You want to grow our sport. Why is it not a revolving location? So what I mean is you could stay at nationwide if you want to. My, my problems with nationwide are no different than my problems of playing at, at uh, the field house here in Cleveland. The sight lines are horrible. If you're only going to put people on one side of the ice for camera purposes, which I understand your sight lines are still shitty to put it bluntly. I mean, every one of us has played in an NHL rink. It may not be as big, but the ice surface is too, still 200 by 85. So the fact of playing on the Blue Jacket ice rink, the, the novelty is not the same for hockey players as it would be for somebody else to maybe be at the shoot. That Just my opinion. So you can go to Columbus, be it you go to Ohio State and play. You go to the fairgrounds and play. Or you go to Nationwide and play. Now how about moving it to, to uh, Katie, uh, was it Katie Arena? Goggin Arena uh, at Miami for one time. What about somewhere in Dayton one time? What about in BG? What about in Toledo where the walleye play? You could have it at Brooklyn here. You can keep, you could have it at the Cavelli Center in Youngstown. If you move the state tournament around, allowing every fan base to see what that atmosphere is like, maybe you in fact do grow the game. Maybe we get more players playing. You know, we're at the anniversary, was it 41 years of the Miracle on Ice? Look how many guys started playing based off that Olympic game. And I'm not trying to compare a high school hockey game to an Olympic feat that, that the 80 team did. But if you put that atmosphere in front of people, somebody's going to get excited. Somebody's want to get going to want to give it a go. I just don't understand why it's, it's constantly at nationwide. I understand contract. I understand money. I understand the logistics of it's easier for all those in Columbus to drive across town to hand out a trophy. I understand that. Well, it's, it's central Ohio. It's the capital of Ohio. Mm-hmm. It's where, it's where the state where of Ohio was, where decided. Where was footballs this year? Uh, well, th- I don't know about this year, but usually it was always down in like Maslin or whatever. I don't know where it was this year, but my point is, why can't we move it? No, no, no. I, I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not arguing you on this. I guess uh, years ago, my understanding was the state of Ohio has tried, and I would love to ask Ronald this next time we have him on. Mm-hmm. The state of Ohio tried to centralize every single state tournament when it comes to the sports. 
Okay. Um, I know they've run the football at the shoe. I know they've run the basketball at uh, shot and scene or, or whatever. Yeah. You know, right. I know the baseball, the golf is down there. Right. So I, I don't have the answers and I agree with you, Jay, but to, to, to get their response. And again, they might, they may not owe anybody a response. True. They may say, this is where we feel is the best for travel, for hotels. I mean, listen, when, when you're, you know, the wrestling is always, the wrestling was always at the Nutter Center when we were growing up and now it's in Columbus. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know, but I think I just wanted to, I mean, when you say that, you know, this is not the time you're right. It's not the time to, to that last week was not the time to talk to Ronald about that. True. He's got a lot in his plate right now, True. but I would love to have a whole nother conversation with him and just to ask the questions that a lot of people have that maybe he can answer so that it, it, it maybe it would be a smooth transition down to Columbus and be like, Oh, this is why we're here. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of the unknown is probably, I think what, what gets people up, uh, I don't say in arms, but a little bit of that. That's what has me troubled by it. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I right. don't have the answers for it, but I'm watching what is going on and it almost feels like, you know, and I, this is, this is, this is an ignorant statement, but it almost feels like, well, you're playing in an NHL rink. Here you go. What else do you want? And I know that's not it. Don't get me wrong. I know that's well, if not that's it. the case. And why isn't the state baseball being played in Cincinnati Red Stadium or uh, the Indian Indians? Stadium? You know, why isn't the state football being played in Cincinnati or Cleveland? I mean, if, if, if that's their rationale is you're playing in a pro stadium, well, then, then you can find pro stadiums for all the sports. Well, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So, so well, I, yeah, I, let's I, move on. I do, I do agree. There, there's a lot of questions. Obviously, last week was not the time. No. It is a lot of the unknown that if there was just not a, in my opinion, tow the company line answer, which I understand right. he's going to give on a lot of things. I understand why. I'm 100% on board. However, let's cut the brass tacks and let's get down to business. That's all I got. Okay. Well, let's move on. And because then the next guest we, the next two guests we had on were from, Sports on Tap, and they do a podcast, SOT podcast. Uh, and what these guys did was they went to Brooklyn, uh, the Coin Brooklyn Recreation Center, on Sunday of the Baron Cup, and they covered live the three championships game, championship games. Ed Dick and Sean Duffy of Sports on Tap talked to us about what they thought of the Baron Cup games and then their thoughts on the upcoming Brooklyn East and Brooklyn West brackets uh, for the districts. Great catching up with those guys. Very knowledgeable. Like we talked about, they did an awesome job of calling those games. We were very fortunate to be able to have those guys do that, especially in a pandemic like we're going through now. So it was good to catch up with uh, Ed and Sean. Yeah, those guys, they bring a good excitement to it. Obviously, uh, we had a chance to, to check out the, the uh, coverage and the broadcast, and they did an excellent job, as you said. And, you know, th that's that type of excitement, that type of knowledge, the fact that they just wanted to do that was great coverage of the sport getting, you know, I know they joked around about uh, messing up a name. You don't want to mess up a name. Well, you're going to mess up a name and it's all right. And they did a hell of a job, even if they messed any up, I didn't hear them miss any up, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And, and their conversation about or our conversation with them in regard to the breakdown of uh, Cleveland East in West in the bracket was awesome. I mean, they just, they're knowledgeable. They're excited about it, and they, they they do a heck of a job on Sports on Tap, and, and if you get a chance, go check them out. 
Yeah, those guys, those guys did an unbelievable job. After we spoke to Ed Dick and Sean Duffy from Sports on Tap, we had an opportunity to sit down with podcast friend and returning guest Dave Perpura from the Columbus Dispatch. He talked to us about the Columbus District, not only the Columbus District, but then the Capital Conference that had the uh, Blue Jackets Cup uh, that was won by Upper Arlington. Uh, it was it was good to catch up with Dave, and I got to be honest with you. Dave is so knowledgeable of the sport. He is so knowledgeable of the teams in his area, in his region. And I, I love talking to Dave. His passion is there. It was great to talk to him. And, and you know, we look forward to talking to him again. But his knowledge of his district, Jay, is, boy, it's impressive. I tell you that. Dave is the consummate professional. Dave knows his stuff. He searches it out. In fact, while we were talking, he was looking stuff up to make sure his answers were correct on a couple things. Um, Dave's a lot of fun to talk to. He brings a good energy to it. Um, I, I'm just curious to know why he was taking his mask on and off. We, yeah, I, I don't know what that was going on. Maybe he was at work, though. And, no, no, that, I, I'm actually just joking around about it, but I liked his background, uh, baseball diamond. That was nice. Uh, Dave's just a good energy, and, and he brings a lot of good stuff uh, up from Columbus there. This week, uh, we're going to have a big announcement. Uh, Tim Driscoll from The T Show uh, will be joining us. Uh, here to talk and just uh, for a quick uh, announcement. And uh, so I don't want to give anything more about that. So we'll let Tim Driscoll do his thing. And then we're going to talk to Cole Bell, who's the head coach of the Ohio University Bobcats. We look forward to talking to him uh, here this evening. Uh, but before that, let's catch up with the boys. What's new with you guys? Danielle. Daniel. Daniel son. What's um, good? Not, not a whole lot. Just been doing some. Uh... Home improvement projects recently, some painting. Like, oh, well, you're an artist, so of course. We've been painting the walls, painting the rooms, uh, took off all the doors and put some trim on them and painted them white. Uh, Lev would appreciate I in, invested in a sprayer. Oh, get which out I've, now. I've now turned uh, half the basement into my spray area. That's um, important. That's is your important. basement finished? No. So you spray down there, then it does your whole house smell like paint oh, fumes? Uh, I mean, a little bit, but mm. you just open the windows and get the exhaust fans blowing. You're good. Hey, word it's, of advice. It's been word negative three degrees, Dan. Word of advice. That's why I did it last week, not this week. Word of advice. Yes, sir. Shut off your uh, furnace. We, and, I, and I close, close off the, the door. Close off and, the door and the vents to it. Yeah, close them all off. Otherwise, it will blow throughout your house yes papa hump taught me that one. Oh, papa hump coming through strong <laughs> <clears throat> what's Sully, up with you guys yourself? what's well, up with you, yeah i don't know man we you know we had to shovel our way out last week which was kind of nuts um but a lot of so here in northeast ohio and I'm, i think a lot i think quite a few of the the areas in ohio got it um i don't know jay you know it was fun just the last couple of weeks has been good man it was exciting to see Kids getting excited again about playoff hockey, um, trophies being lifted. Uh, it, it just, it, to me, it felt, I don't want to say normal, but it, started, it just felt normal. Like, you got kids excited. You know, I'm not, I'm not a social media guy, but, um, it, you know, I, I've gotten sent some posts from people on social media of kids being excited to winning their, their, their championships. Um, 
you know, and, and, and it just, it looked, you know, it, it looked and sounded somewhat normal. I mean, you still had your, you know, your keyboard freaking warriors out there that, you know, hate to hate because that's what they do. Well, know, miserable so, people are always going to be miserable, you know. Right, you know, whatever. But, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I, I got to tell you this. So I, I was going through the, uh, the YouTube the other day and speaking of miserable people, and I, I did not know. I did not know that the band Journey broke up and that Steve Perry got in a big rift with oh, the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did not know that. I mean... Although he was at, when they were inducted, the new guy and Steve Perry were there. Yeah, I, did, I didn't know that. I thought, I, thought they, I thought Steve Perry went on his own to do his own stuff, just, you know, just to go try his own stuff. Yeah. I didn't realize, what was that? What, what, I mean, he may have had some good songs, didn't he? Oh God! What was the name of that? Speaking guy? of miserable people, I mean, he was a miserable person, I guess. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I think that it was an ode to his, his old bandmates or something. It was, I, I think, the lyrics were something like, "You should have been gone." Oh yeah, 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 yeah. How song, yeah. But but he he put it. It was supposed to be. I don't know. The video was on one day, and it was like a medieval times type thing. And yeah, he said it's, it's supposed to be a love song, but when you listen to the lyrics, it's just misery loves company. You know, so. What was the name of that song? Oh, God, do you know, it? Danny? Do you know? What was the name of that, Dan? Was it something? Something Sherry? Oh, Sherry? Oh, yeah, Sherry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, Sherry. That's, right. that's right. That's right. So anyhow, did not know that they they were I don't know miserable. We were talking about when you said miserable thing. It just I you know how you get onto YouTube and you just you go from like trying to find how you can fix your dishwasher. Next thing you know, you're watching a documentary on how. Steve Perry was so miserable, kind of like those people that hide behind their freaking keyboards. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then he makes the song, Oh, Sherry should have been gone. Yeah, I get it. I think that's the intro song this week. Oh, is it? I, oh, I mean, we if we're talking about it, we might as well. Yeah, might as well play throw it in there. So everybody can at least get a, get an earshot of uh, what Oh, Sherry sounds like, you know? You know, like Mike Tyson says, everybody's t- everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right. Well, the internet made that. Well, everybody's tough. Everybody's tough sitting behind a keyboard, right? Well, yeah. It's it's the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen in my entire life. People voicing their opinion behind a keyboard and don't have the they and they don't have the guts to follow up with the proper chance. Like they don't have the guts to do it. No. no. Like put yourself and I know it's a sad thing is you can't put you can't do it in, in, in the pandemic right now, but put yourself in a town hall type situation. And if you have an issue say it say it yeah. but do it in the, in the right way you know here's the here's the thing jay people people can disagree with what people do i disagree with what a lot of people do but you know what the only way to change that is to constructively have a conversation well there in lies one not of the hashtags i love the hashtags you know oh <laughs> hashtag 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 Oh, Give me a break. Yeah. I know. So, well, what is a hashtag? You know what the hashtag used to be? The, you know what's the, crazy to me? These the number use these hash- No, no, no. It used to be the pound sign on mm. your phone. Yeah. You just sounded like dice. Well, I didn't want to sound like dice, but that's what it was. <laughs> the pound it, sign on your phone. No, you're was. right. You're and right. now everybody uses this. Oh, I could say hashtag. And it means hashtag whatever. Hashtag this. Hashtag get off your computer and hashtag be a man or a woman and hashtag say it face to face. How does that sound? Not going to happen. Hashtag Mike, Mike drop. Yeah. Hashtag Mike drop. 
<clears throat> right? <laughs> Anyhow, sorry to our listeners out there about that. But I don't even know. Like, again, YouTube does that to me. I mean, I just get in the weeds of things, man. Right down the wormhole. Right. Finding so, cool stuff. Well, Jay, the ice is thickening on Lake Erie-ish. But let's see what's in the news of the Ohio Hockey Digest. A long process of building a team from scratch and getting it on the ice came together on Sunday as the Bowling Green women's team played the inaugural game for their fledgling program. Senior blue liner Ashley Kimmel said it has been a two-year process to see the team come to fruition. The biggest issue was we didn't have enough players to really compete. Um, so last year was a lot of practicing and kind of getting everything up and running. Um, but this year, our head coach, Mike Witten, who's brand new, he was our assistant coach last year, um, has really stepped up and helped us kind of get things going and work, being able to work with club sports more to get those games scheduled and to be where we are now. Kimmel says, despite coming up on the losing end against Adrian College, it felt like a big win. Yeah, oh my gosh, it was so exciting to be able to get out on the ice in our uniforms and be able to represent our school. Um, unfortunately, you know, with our numbers, we, we did lose, but we were just having the time of our lives out there and the score didn't even matter. It was just so exhilarating to be out there on the ice, being able to do something that we've been waiting so long to do. Good luck to the girls with the rest of their schedule. Growing the game here in Ohio, that's what we like to see. It's great to see that. I saw that story. I, I was I was so happy to see that they've got that thing uh, moving in the right direction again. So congratulations to them, and good luck to those girls. Parma native Alex Nedeljkovic, our guest on Episode 7 of this podcast, was recalled to the Carolina Hurricanes on Friday and hit a big milestone on Saturday when he recorded his first NHL shutout, stopping all 24 shots he faced to blank the Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, for nothing. Congratulations, Ned. Carolina goaltender Peter Marazic is expected back from an injury this week. The Canes have successfully slipped Nedeljkovic through waivers a few times this year, but you'll have to wonder if they are playing fire if they try to move him down to the taxi squad again. Maumee native Ben Schoen, who was a guest on episode 31 of this podcast, was traded by the Youngstown Phantoms last week. Schoen, 18, was sent to the Tri-City Storm in Nebraska, along with two eighth-round draft picks in the 2021 USHL Phase 2 draft in, ex- in exchange for the rights to, the- to forward Shane Lachance and three draft picks, including first-round picks in both the 2021 and 2022 USHL Phase 2 drafts. Schoen had eight goals and 15 points in 17 games with the Phantoms this season. He will play out the year with the Storm and then get ready to start at Penn State in the fall. Lachance, 17, is currently playing for the Boston Junior Bruins in the USPHL's National Collegiate Development Conference and is committed to Boston University for the 2022-2023 season. His dad, Scott, is a former BU defenseman who played over 800 games in the NHL, including the last two seasons of his career for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Guys, this is a tough trade for the Phantoms to make, but the playoffs are starting to look like a long shot for them this year. And they recoup some valuable long-term assets in the deal for a player who will be moving on to college next year. Ben was a great uh, talk for us. Uh, He was coming off an injury, and I I believe his his first game back, he was putting up points 
uh, after that long layoff and, and he's had an up and down go with some injuries. So it was good to see him get back into game play and get off on the right foot scoring points. So, you know, as, as said in there, he's moving on to Penn state next year, uh, division one there for the Nittany lions. And, and as we told him on, on the show, you know, Youngstown has a good one. Penn state's getting a good one, you know, good luck to him the rest of the year. You know, and, and what is tri-state? I mean, are they a playoff team? I'm going to guess. I, I, I don't know, but I'm going to guess. That'd so be a, that would be a reason to bring a guy like Ben Schoen in. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, push. It, it's also doing something for, I mean, we also, I mean, we have all, always seen this in the pro game, right. To where, you know, your team's not going to make a playoff and you've got a veteran guy, you know, he's going to go, he's going to go to the NCAA next year. Yeah. You got a veteran guy that you may want to say, all right, listen, man, we're not going to make the playoffs. We're going to get some younger talent in here. We're going to give you an opportunity to go to a playoff team. And it's a win-win for, for I think, everybody. You know, maybe not maybe not those young guys that are coming over to a team that's not going to make the playoffs. But it's a win-win. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we've seen it before. And, and, and I think, you know, as, as tough as it is a trade for the Phantoms, I appreciate the Phantoms making that trade. And I appreciate Tri-State. Danny, are they in the playoffs? Do you know? If you give me a minute, I will look that up. Because if they're a playoff team, th- this trade makes total sense. And I'm sorry that I don't know that off the top of my head. Right. But no, it makes I mean, total it, sense. You know, it's one, it's the business side of, of the game and it has to happen. And right. you, 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 you know, you're not making a playoff. So you start, you know, positioning for next season, next season after. And, and Ben's having a successful run right now. And, and he is obviously going off to NCAA next year. And let's get him in that position where, you know, he can he can reap the fruits of or reap the benefits of of his uh, uh, goal scoring prowess. Absolutely. So, uh, Danny will come and, and let us know if the, if that is you know if they're a playoff team. I would assume that they are. I mean, you're surely not going to make a move and ship them out to Nebraska for nothing. For nothing, right? Correct. I mean, unless they just unless they just said we're going to give you our top scorer or one of our top players because we want young talent. But why would try? Why would they take that trade right. if they're not pushing for a championship, right? right? So, the USPHL Premier announced their Midwest Regions Player of the Week, and a pair of players from the Ohio Hockey Digest coverage area were recognized. Toledo Cherokee, twenty-year-old forward Caleb Williams from Genoa, Ohio, played just once on the weekend, but that was enough to add five assists to his season total against the Motor City Hockey Club. Williams has 24 assists this season, including 10 in his past three games. And 19-year-old Columbus Mavericks goaltender Alex Toth, a former Metro Cardinal, returned from a month-long layoff and shook off the rust quickly, turning aside all 23 shots he faced for a shutout against the Wooster Oilers. Congratulations to both Caleb and Alex on that weekend. Rocky Rivers, Freddie Gerard, boom, boom, tuck, a guest boom, here on boom, episode, boom. <laughs> a guest here on episode 23 of the podcast, noticing a trend here. We get the high end talent, no free ads. I mean, we do. I mean, listen, everything we've talked about today is we had this guy on one of our shows, this guy on one of our shows. I think people need to understand if they want to get exposed, you got to come to our show, baby. Oh man. Boom, boom. Tuck. Tuck. 
Freddie Girard scored his first professional goal for the Colorado Eagles of the American Hockey League on Friday night. Girard went boom, boom, tuck with 9.32 left in the third period to break a 2-2 tie with the Ontario Reign, and the goal stood up as the game winner. Also scoring in the game for the Eagles was another Ohioan, Kiefer Sherwood, who broke the ice just 11 seconds after the opening puck drop. Congratulations to both those guys. I was at a uh, volleyball tournament, and uh, another local Cleveland coach and his son both had boom, boom, tuck sweatshirts on. It was great. It was oh, awesome yeah. to see. So, oh, yeah. so congratulations did you, did you, to the Gerard brothers did you on put that. Your, did you put your boom, boom, tuck uh, hat on? Actually, it was in my car. I, I, I didn't have it on, but I told uh, uh, Chris Kogan and his son, Christopher, that I should have had my hat on. We could have been all sitting there together. So just oh, yeah. want the Gerard brothers to know that boom, boom, tuck is now being repped out at volleyball tournaments. So marketing, marketing, right. It's all about marketing. We had the first instance of a team having to withdraw from the district playoffs due to COVID-19 as Gahana Lincoln was forced to forfeit to Worthington Kilbourne in the Columbus bracket. I, you know, I hated, I hate to hear this when, you know, I read this earlier yep. in the news and I hate to hear this because it is, you know, one of the things that, that I struggle with, is there's so many different variations of, of, of quarantines of whatever it may be, right? There's no consistency to it. You got a team like Hannah Lincoln that I don't know if someone was, was positive. I don't know if someone was exposed. I don't know if someone was exposed to an exposed, who knows, right? But their season ended they couldn't even, they couldn't play in the state tournament because of this unfortunate situation. So feel bad for those uh, players in Gahana Lincoln, um, you know, and, and, you know, I guess Worthington Gilborn gets to move on uh, for whatever reason, but there was also a game here in the Cleveland area between Canfield and Nordornia, Nordornia uh, was also canceled with Canfield advancing, but it was not clear if it was COVID related. Make sure you keep checking in at www.ohiohockeydigest.com for coverage of the Ohio high school athletic association district playoffs, including previews, scores, and updated brackets in games and stories. You want the uh, Ben Schoen update? Yeah. Yep. So Tri-City Storm are currently um, six in the league out of 14 teams that look like they're playing right now because of COVID. The Phantoms are in dead last. So, they're right, I mean, they're right in the mix for a playoff spot. I just don't know and can't find anything where it's – you know what their format's going to be for this off okay. or for this. Uh, well, the, then the trade the trade makes total sense. It's mm-hmm. a better situation for them right now. A- heading, absolutely, heading and probably it's a better situation for Youngstown uh, in the future. Yeah. So I mean, you got a team that that needs that that firepower now, and they're in the in the mix right now, and a team that's not makes total yeah. sense. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Okay, let's see what's going on with the Cleveland Monsters in this week's Monsters Minute. The Monsters. Possible. Possible. The Monster Minute is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project, Northeast Ohio's leader in player development and advancement. Take your training to the next level this offseason with the Ohio Hockey Project. The Cleveland Monsters picked up three points earlier this week, dropping a 2-1 overtime game against the Grand Rapids Griffins on Saturday before splitting a pair with the Rockford Ice Hogs. In a 7-3 win over the Ice Hogs on Monday night, the Monsters scored three goals in a span of just over two minutes, including a pair from Zach Dalby and the first pro goal for Ohio native Carson Meyer. Meyer finished the night with two goals, and Brad Thiessen stopped 29 of 32 shots in net to pick up his first win of the year. 
The monsters had received some reinforcements from Columbus's taxi squad over the last few days. Defenseman Andrew Peake, defenseman Adam Clendenning, and forward Liam Foody have all recently been assigned to Cleveland. Goaltender Matisse Kivlenix was recalled back to the Blue Jackets before making an appearance with the Monsters, but Vanny Vavalainen made a season debut with a 21-save effort in Tuesday's 3-2 loss to the Ice Hogs. The Finland native has a 2.77 goals against average to go along with a 9.01 save percentage over 34 career games with the Monsters. Let's get on air with Tim Driscoll, the commissioner of the Tri-States Hockey League. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. The USPHL has five teams in the Ohio Hockey Digest coverage area. The Columbus Mavericks, the Toledo Cherokee, Wooster Oilers, Lake Erie Bighorns, and the Fort Wayne Spacemen. Learn more at the USPHL.com. Let's welcome back on air a friend of the show, Tim Driscoll, the commissioner of the T-Show. Tim, welcome to the show. Glad to see you again. Happy to see you again. Um, I know you're here because you've got some announcement to make. Uh, on uh, the the podcast. So at this point, I'm going to let you take it over. Great. Well, thanks. Thanks for having us back. And uh, before I jump into that, just let me congratulate you guys on a great season up there in uh, Cleveland that you're having so far this year. And best of luck on bringing that home. So thank you. Appreciate it, Tim. You bet. But with that said, uh, we do have some big news, Tim. Um, as you know, and we've talked over time, um, the TSCHL has kind of considered ourselves uh, one of the premier conferences and all of ACHA D2. And, uh, and we, we've always said that based on the caliber of the teams we have top to bottom, just real premier programs. But uh, today we're taking it to a next level. Uh, today, I'm just thrilled to announce to you that the University of Michigan will be joining our conference. And uh, we were gonna start, we will start that right away uh, next season in the 21-22 campaign. Big, big things for our conference and uh, just the fit that we were been holding out for and really wanted to hit a premier club. And clearly we've done that with the Wolverines. Well, Tim, that is unbelievable news. It's exciting news, even from an Ohio guy. So um, I, I was supposed to have this little horn here. That was supposed to be congratulations to you guys. So, well, would you like to uh, introduce our guest? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, with with us, I have the head coach of the Wolverines, uh, Ryan, and I have been talking a little bit over the last, uh, oh, I don't know, a year or so, I guess, Ryan, and got thrown yep. a little curveball in light of um, all the madness that's happened uh, to everybody, uh, not just the hockey world, but the world in general. But we stayed in touch. And uh, let me just uh, allow you to talk about your program and turn it over to you and Tim for any uh, questions that he may have. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Uh, first off, you know, thanks for having us on the podcast and uh, appreciate, you know, having us into the league. You know, thank you for letting us join. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity for us. Um, you know, all the teams are local, you know, in the Midwest and, you know, get to go down to Kentucky and Louisville. So the boys are pretty excited about that. Um, as you talked about with the caliber of the league, um, you can see that, you know, in the rankings and whatnot, these teams are, you know, up there and, you know, they're, you know, it's not, no game is going to be an easy game. Um, we're excited for all the competition. Uh, I know we have some, uh, you know, North South, North South state rivals going with, uh, you know, us against a lot of Ohio teams. So I know that'll uh, fuel the boys a little bit more, but uh, yeah, we're pretty excited. I mean, we have a, a good program here. Uh, this will, this is my third season as the head coach, uh, fifth year with the program. Uh, we skate out of Yost, which is awesome. That's a big pull for a lot of kids. Um, 
all of our boys are there for school and uh, you know, hockey is something that they have a passion for and they want to still do while they're going to school. So, you know, we're not recruiting any players or anything. We're, you know, getting guys that are going to the school, which is really nice. You know, all the guys are really smart. They're all, you know, going off in their different directions of, you know, engineering or business or economic, you know, anything like that. So it's good to, you know, have a lot of camaraderie with the boys and whatnot. Um, and yeah, we, we are really excited to join the league. Right, so, right, I know this is, Sorry, this is a, uh, the tri-states league, but it has a little bit of some big 10 flair going on there with your Ohio state, your Michigan, your Indiana, you know, I, I mean, I got to ask you as an Ohio guy, um, you know, what's your thoughts on that and bringing that Ohio state Michigan rivalry, uh, to, you know, to not only to you and then Tim, this is going to go back to you as well, bringing that rivalry to your league. So, uh, uh coach, why don't you go ahead and, and answer that first? Yeah. So we're pretty excited. Like we, um, you know, we play, we've played Ohio state sometimes in the past and, you know, now it's get a, a little bit more, you know, the game has a little bit more meaning, you know, with league points on the line. So, you know, those games will get taken a little bit more seriously being that it's a rival. And, uh, you know, it is a little bit of the, the old CCHA too. So, you know, you got us, Miami, um, you know, Ohio state where Bowling green. So we're, uh, we're excited to play those teams and, uh, you know, and every time we step into in foot into Ohio, you know, people know who we are and, you know, they want to, they want to beat us. So, you know, we feel the same way and, uh, we're excited for the, uh, for the competition. And Tim, Tim, what was, what's your thoughts about bringing that? And listen, I'm not just, I'm just, I'm not, you know, pigeonholing one rivalry here because there's going to be a lot. And, and coach, I do want to uh, maybe run this question through you again, but Tim, bringing that Ohio state Michigan rivalry uh, to the tri-states league is, is something that's, I mean, congratulations to you to start off with, but that's going to be fun. Yeah. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. And it is, it's, it's, it's huge. Uh, it's, you know, we just had the big uh, basketball game this last weekend, three versus four in the NCAA just last week. And I'm not suggesting that we're at, athletically at that same echelon, but it doesn't take anything away from the, level of rivalry and the importance of the game and the pride factor that goes on there. Um, that's a big, big thing. Um, and, you know, you add to that, Tim, you, you alluded to it just a little bit, but the UK Louisville rivalry, that's a historic rivalry by any measure. And then the, the Dayton uh, Xavier rivalry, that Catholic connection is also big. So, you know, all around the league, you'll find these rivalries that just get further fueled that, uh, you know, Ryan mentioned he's going to be playing for points. Well, I, I'd be willing to bet you a couple of dollars that from time to time they'll be playing for a conference championship too. And think about what that atmosphere will be like uh, inside the building. So it's it's just going to be fantastic. Right. And, and, and you, you talk about these rivalries, but like Ryan, like you said, you know, one of the first teams you brought up when, when you said that you're excited to be in the league was Kentucky. I mean, Tim, we talked about that that atmosphere down there. Uh, Ryan, give us a quick uh, a thought process about. I don't know if you if your team's played down there yet at the Midnight Madness, but talk to us a little bit about about your excitement to go down there. And then I know uh, Lev's got a quick a few questions for you. Yeah, so pretty much what we've heard is nothing but great things <laughs> about them putting on a show. I mean, honestly, it's an experience. You're playing at midnight. You're playing in front of a thousand to two thousand fans. I mean, what? hockey player wouldn't get excited for that. I mean, I'm excited for it and I can't even go out and play. Like, <laughs> I want to, you know, the boys, that's pretty much what they've been talking about is, Hey, you know, when are we going down to Kentucky? You know, it's, 
it's uh it's a, it's an excitement i mean and, and people think you know it's uh maybe not a hockey state but you know they have something else to think about that right so for both you guys how did this come about how how did how did uh, commissioner driscoll how did did michigan contact you did you guys contact michigan coach were you guys in in constant communication trying to make this happen for a while now and also coach what was the reaction of the, from the boys and the organization when it finally did go through yeah, Ryan, so I'll take, I, I, Sorry, if you don't mind, Ryan, let me take a shot at that because you, there's probably yeah. something you don't even know about uh, where that starts. But it was really interesting, Ryan, to hear you refer to the old CCHA. And to give credit where it's due, uh, you guys might know Mike Norton from the Miami University program, a bit of a hockey legend, uh, uh, not just down in Oxford, but you know across the state of Ohio. Well, he called me one day and he said, you know, what, what if we – sort of had a mini CCHA and we started getting things back together. And, you know, he knows everybody in the, in the hockey world. So to, to give credit where it's, where it's due, it was initially Mike's idea. And then from there, uh, Ryan and I connected and I'll let him, you know, tell the balance of the story. Yeah, we've, uh, you know, we've, we've had our eyes on the league for a while now. I mean, just, uh, you know, geographically how everything sits out. Um, you know, we were in a league before with only four or five teams and it wasn't, you didn't have league playoffs or anything. So we were excited to get to a structured league. You know, you, you play each team twice in your division, one team for the South division, you know, we were excited for that structure. And, uh, when I told the boys, they were ecstatic, you know, stick taps everywhere on the ice. And, uh, you know, the, so they listed a bunch of things off, you know, playing Ohio state, you know, playing Kentucky, Louisville, you know, Miami, Ohio. So we, the boys were really excited and, uh, you know, excited for the opportunity. That's awesome. And coach, or excuse me. Yeah. Well, I, I coach, I will go come to you with this question too, but commissioner Driscoll, obviously uh, the state of affairs, the pandemic, it forced the cancellation of the tournament and the, uh, the season as well. And I was curious to know the, uh, the uh, league tournament was supposed to be in Bowling Green this season. Is there a possibility that it will return to Bowling Green in 22? It will. Um, I would go so far as to uh, guarantee that so long as, you know, life is relatively normal again and they're able to host it. But they earned that opportunity. Uh, 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 Jake and those guys are doing some great things at Bowling Green and they have a beautiful facility in their own right. So uh, we're excited, disappointed, of course, we couldn't do it this year, but pretty excited about the opportunity to return to Bowling Green uh, next season and let them play host. Are you guys planning as I mean, I know it's well, I mean, with this, everything's day by day, but are you planning to go ahead as normal business as usual, starting uh, 21, 22? We are, but there'll be a few caveats to that because um, I think we've all learned a lot through this, right? Through this period. So, and there's no guarantee exactly what the world's going to look like come next uh, September and October. So we'll, we'll put together, in fact, I'm working on it now is um, a proactive COVID uh, plan, if you will, that will help us to uh, comply better, you know, with the CDC guidelines, but just just the general health and safety and well-being that even if COVID's gone, there's probably some things we could all be doing better, um, you know, when the flu season comes around and all that other stuff, but something as serious as COVID, we will have a specific plan that we'll be able to activate and that will roll out to all the different institutions this uh, this spring so they can get comfortable with our plan, give us feedback. If there's more work to be done, we'll take that feedback, revise it, and be as 
well prepared as possible uh, going into next season. Good. And coach, let, uh, let, I guess on the heels of that, how have things been for you guys this current season? If you have, I, mean, I apologize. I was at work all day. I didn't have a chance to do much research on it, but plus it's breaking news. So you mean this isn't your full-time job, Jay? <laughs> yeah, no, I, it, it's crazy. I, I wish it was. I really do wish it was. However, how have things been for you guys on Michigan? Uh, so things have been, uh, I don't even know how to say it. I, I mean, not disappointing because we all saw this coming, I would say. Right. Um, but it's, I really feel bad for my seniors. Uh, we haven't put, we didn't play any games first semester. Um, uh, we don't plan on playing any games any second semester. Uh, and that's due to, you know, club sport restrictions from the university. Um, first semester we had two conditioning skates, two tryouts and two practices. And that was it. Um, you know, we, uh, had guys get it on the team, you know, we have to you know, halt everything for two weeks. And then uh, we came back a couple weeks ago for second semester and we have had no contact practices for the past two weeks. And uh, I mean, honestly, it's, it's been kind of enlightening because it shows how much passion the boys have. I mean, they could be doing many other things, you know, studying for tests, you know, going to the gym, whatever it may be, doing homework, but they choose to come to skate you know, knowing that we don't have contact, you know, we might not have as many guys as we should, but, you know, it seems like we're getting a really good number of guys coming and, you know, just getting on the ice and seeing the boys. So that's awesome. Well, that's good. And, yep. and, and man, everyone here on this conversation tonight knows, and all of our listeners know just not. And, and Tim, you, you brought it up uh, earlier about there's been change in hockey, but there's been change in, in, in our lives forever moving forward. And, and I think, and you guys have all seen this and, and I think everyone has that. I think we don't take things for granted anymore. Right. So right. for you, Ryan, to say coach, for you to say that those kids are, you know, they, they're, they're, they probably have a little bit more passion today than they did probably a year and a half ago at this point or whatever it may be. So, right. Well, commissioner, uh, we thank you for choosing our platform to break the news. That's, that's, uh, you know, humbling and honoring for us. It's exciting to be able to watch, uh, Miami join the Tri-States League, and or I'm sorry, Michigan joined the Tri-States League with uh, the likes of Miami, with the likes of Ohio State, Dayton, Kentucky, Lexington. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. I know Jay and I and, and Danny look forward to catching a game here soon uh, when you guys are up and running. So thank you for joining us. Appreciate that. One quick question, though, before I leave, uh, Commissioner. Today's the 41st anniversary of a, of a pretty significant day in hockey, right? I might be the only guy old enough to be alive for when it happened, but yeah. I, <laughs> well, I, no, no, no. Jay, Jay and I were Jay and I were right there with you. <laughs> okay. um, I believe you had a family member at that game. I did. I did. Can you uh, tell the story real quick? Yeah, my father was at that game, and uh, it's it's you know the quickest story I can give you is um, you know he was just up in Lake Placid on business with entertaining customers, and the story he could tell you about how he came into the tickets. It's it's not like you go out and buy the tickets for the USA Russia game, right? It's a lottery. You get designated these tickets and you may or may not get the the game. And he didn't get the game and he figured out a way to um, get tickets to that game, not having any idea what was about to unfold. Right. Sure. I mean, it was, uh, and we all know the story of what unfolded, but it's what's maybe most amazing is a few short weeks later uh, at my high school, we had a um, father son banquet and a came and spoke at the banquet. 
Oh, and wow. I'll never forget when my dad presented him with the ticket stubs, you know, to have him autograph the stubs. Aruzioni's face was maybe the only time he's ever been lost for words, right? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then now my father tells the story to his grandkids and even great-grandkids now about what that was like. And I'm telling you, Tim and Jay, it brings a tear to your eye, honest to God, you know, every time he talks about it, it's just in the context in which he tells the story is amazing. He'd be, I'm sure he'd be thrilled to share that whole, the, all the details with you. If you ever have a slow day and are looking for a story, he'd, yeah, well, he'd love to share. Absolutely. I'd love, we'd love to hear, love that. To and, hear I, that. And I know our listeners can't, they can't see the smile on your face as you're telling us this, because we're doing this through a zoom, but it is, it's ear to ear. So thank yeah, you for awesome. sharing that. Thank you for sharing that with us. Commissioner, thank you for coming on, breaking the news, exciting news. Congratulations to you, coach. Congratulations to you guys. Uh, both of you guys, please stay safe. Uh, enjoy the rest of the year, whatever uh, it can be. And we look forward to a, a successful 2021-2022 Tri-State Hockey League uh, season moving forward. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Thank guys. You very Thanks much. For all you for all you keep doing. You keep doing great work, and we appreciate it. Thank you. Take good care. Thank you very much. Let's get on air with Ohio University head coach Cole Bell. Our guest comes to us from Buffalo, New York, via Davenport, Iowa. His playing career saw him go from the United States High School to junior hockey in the Central States Hockey League to the NCAA Division III, then to the ACHA. He spent two years coaching the in Athens, the Ohio University Bobcats. Please welcome on air United States Army Reservist, head coach of the Ohio University Bobcats, Cole Bell. Welcome, Coach. Thanks, Tim. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. No problem. Thanks for joining us. I mean, a storied program like Ohio University, and we're, we're able to talk about not only the storied history of it, but where you're at today. How are you getting through the pandemic? What's the plans moving forward? Um, but first, let our listeners talk or listen a little bit about who you are. Talk just about how you got <laughs> your start in hockey. Uh, well, like you said, you, you did your homework. Uh, I was born in Buffalo, New York, was was there until we moved to Iowa when I was six. Um, dad was a huge Sabres fan, still is. Uh, it's painful um, more often than not. But uh, I, try, I tried not to laugh. I'm sorry. Hey, no, hold that's on a okay. second, you're talking to two guys that live in Cleveland. I mean, we get it, man. Yeah. yeah. Like if, if there's it. anybody that gets Buffalo sports, it's people from Cleveland. Like right. we're, we're on the same same wavelength. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, he uh, he never played growing up, played played a lot of street hockey, ball hockey, uh, but it was always at the games and started taking me at a young age. We started playing in the driveway. Uh, and then right before first grade, he, he got a job offer out in Iowa. We moved out there and came home from school one day. And, and uh, my mom said, Hey, go upstairs, see your dad. He's got a surprise for you. Ran upstairs. And he told me he, uh, he registered me for, for hockey for the first time. And, and it, that's where it all started. It's been uh, a blast ever since. That's awesome. So you, you play, end up playing in high school. Then you make the jump to the central States hockey league before heading to NCAA division three. What was yep. the landscape of hockey like during those playing years for you? Uh, it, it was way different than it is now, especially at the junior hockey level. It, you know, if you look around now, it, tier three or take all the levels um there there might be two three four hundred teams yeah. um you know when i was playing it uh, i think we'd be lucky to crack 100 and that would include all the tier three leagues 
the the NA and the USHL. I mean, there weren't many. I think my my league alone had twelve teams, and there were um, maybe four other leagues like ours at the tier three level. And then uh, the NA was uh, you know maybe fifteen teams or so, and the USHL I think only had eight. Um, you know, we would go to tryouts, open tryouts, and there'd be two hundred kids there. And I don't think you see that anymore. Um, but growing up in the Midwest too, especially Iowa, it, I'll be honest, I, I didn't really know much. I, I was just trying to play, play at the highest level, work hard, have some fun doing it. Uh, luckily it led me to some pretty good opportunities along the road. That's Very cool. good. After college, you had a brief stint in the federal league, which I didn't mention, uh, in, in the intro. Uh, so then you, then you decided to step behind the bench. Yeah. Uh, during during what point of your playing career did you know that coaching was something that you wanted to do? And was there some sort of influence uh, that made you uh, get behind the bench? Uh, I don't know about an influence. I, I think just the passion for the game. I, I knew I wanted to stay in the game for as long as I could. And, and everybody knows you can't play forever. So I think it was just natural to, to want to be a coach. Um I think it started, you know, during my junior year of college, I, I went back to Lebanon Valley College uh, to finish up um, and had a great coach there. Honestly, a guy I had known before and um, he had played pro for, for years and years. Don Parsons uh, had terrific success in, in the minor leagues himself and just playing for him. And, and I would talk to him a lot about what I wanted my future to look like and, and wanted to play. Um, and then eventually after that, wanting to coach and, uh, he was a, a great mentor, a great coach for me. And luckily enough, I've, uh, you know, been able to make it happen so far. So you go from coaching college to coaching juniors, then back to college. How do you think the development process for hockey players currently is, is going? And what do you think needs to continue? Or what do you think needs to change in that process, in that development process of young hockey players? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think the one of the biggest problems right now is is uh, you know junior teams, especially especially at tier three, um, where you're not getting fans in the stands, and uh, for the most part, anyway, right? I, I think all these teams, programs, coaches are, are coaching to win, uh, which is great, and you need to learn how to win, uh, but along the way you, you miss some development uh you know i'll take one of our goaltenders for example um he's not great at playing the puck he, he's not he struggles at it um but that's okay we'll work with him uh talking to him throughout you know the recruiting process and, and over the summer preparing him to come play at ohio and and throughout the year when he was playing junior hockey uh his coach said you know what just don't leave the crease uh, you're not good at playing the puck. It's going to be a turnover. Just let our D men go back and get it. Well, you know, that's great. Uh, but I, I would have rather seen that coach say, you know what, we'll live with the turnovers at first. We'll learn from them. You know, let's work on this in practice because you can't, you can't have a goaltender stay in the crease, right? Like you need him to get out. You need him to help set up pucks for the D man. We're not asking for Marty Brodeur back there. Right. Uh, but, you know, make a simple five-foot pass to your D-man. Get it over to the corner. Get it away from the floor checker. Things like that. Easy. Even pull, it, easy even, pull it off, even pull it off the boards behind the net. Exactly. Right? Something. Like, simple. We, we don't need elaborate uh, dangles here from our goaltender, but, you know, just simple, effective puck movement. And, unfortunately, we see too much of that, I think, uh, with kids coming up. 
the other part too is, especially as they, they start to identify, Hey, I'm, I'm going to college next year. Uh, I think the junior coaches can do a better job of helping kids understand who they are as a player and what their roles are going to be at the next level. Right. So like we have some guys on our team that especially as freshmen last year, um, maybe we're top six guys or more skill guys at, at the level that they came from. They come here, um, you know, they're, they're not going to be in our top six right away. You know, we have juniors and seniors and some pretty skilled guys from some pretty high levels to, to fill those roles. They need to contribute in other ways. And, and just understanding that, understanding that, uh, you know, sometimes you need to adapt your game uh, to fit in at the next level. And, hey, they do that. Uh, now they become a better all-around player, well-rounded player, full 200 feet of the ice. And, and as they grow and mature, like, that's the one part I like about college. They're not coming here for one year. A lot of junior coaches, they'll, they'll have a kid for one year and then they move on. Well, we're lucky enough to get them for four. So if they start out at the bottom six, now they're in the lineup. Now they're gaining experience, confidence, and they learn those skills that, that takes to make an impact there at that level or at that spot in the roster. And, and now as they get older, start to add different pieces to their game. And, and now they, they become a pretty special player by the time they're an upperclassman. Coach, how, how much of that do you – feel i guess is a society problem you go you know big fish small pond now you're small fish big pond again <laughs> i mean that's just natural you know you you're you're at one company and you're moving up the ladder and you're you're you know you're you're the top guy and you make a move well maybe you're not the top guy but what i mean I, you're you're a hockey player first and foremost i understand you know you take on certain roles but if you don't know every role that's on your club, whether you're playing it or not, you're going to find yourself a little bit frustrated and, and quite a bit unhappy when you don't, the, the, the head guy sees you in a different role than what you see yourself as. Yeah. You know, it, uh, I tend to try and stay away from, from that. It, it, it can be a sensitive subject to some, the societal issue or, you know, the, this generation, it, it seems like an easy answer, but we really do see it as um, you know, too many times we kids show up and expect things to be handed to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hardly ever the case. And even the talented ones that come in and we project for them to be in the top six or the top four or starting goaltender as a freshman, it's certainly not handed to them. You know, that's what we're hopeful we see out of them, but they still need to show up in training camp and practices and, and you know, earn that spot. And, um, you know, that's it, honestly something I, I tell my team often is that stereotype is out there, right? And, and you're in that group of people. And so when you're done here, you hang up the skates and you go apply for jobs and, you, and you're working and you're looking for promotions and raises and whatever – you're automatically viewed as one of these people who has their hand out um, and not willing to do the work for that. Uh, if you can go in and, and buck that uh, stereotype and show that you are one of these people, I'm going to put my nose to the grindstone. I'll be the first one here. I'll be the last one out. I'll get more work done than anybody. I'm, I'm going to you know, hit the pavement running. Um, it's automatically going to set you ahead of so many other people just because it's such a valued trait, um, you know, for coaches, for bosses, for managers, you name it. Uh, so it, it's something we, we do spend a lot of time talking about and, and try to use hockey as the example to, to teach certainly that life lesson. 
You, you know, it, it's funny. You, you, we, you know, you gave the example of, of a goaltender playing the puck and, and whatever it may be. And there's a lot of different skill sets out there that, you know, I think are lost, you know, not at, not just at the junior level, but lost at the high school and the youth level as well. And, and I think we need to, we need to get from, you know, down the ladder, right? If we want mm-hmm. our high schools and our juniors and, and our uh, ACHA teams and our division three teams, and our division one teams to get better. That's all got to start. I mean, it, it's, you know, you telling that story of, of, and I don't know who the coach was. I don't know who the team was. I don't want to know, uh, but yep. for them to say, just stay in the crease. Well, that's not the proper way to play the game. I mean, the proper way to play the game is to get your goaltender back behind the net so that they're not doing a, a, a weak side rim and, and they're beating you on the forecheck every time. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, you know, that, that stuff needs to be addressed and shame on the organization that allows that to happen. So, but uh, I digress. I move on from my little <laughs> rant right there. Uh, you go yeah. from coaching college to juniors, then back to college. How do yeah. you think the development process for hockey players is going? And, and it's funny that we just talked about that. And what do you think needs to, to continue to change in this process, which we already talked about that. So forget that. You know, I, I think we're on the right track. I think USA Hockey's doing some really good things with the ADM, uh, you know, about where we're going. And honestly, I, I think one thing that's really going to help is for us as a hockey family or hockey group, hockey nation, is just stay patient. I, um, you know, one one theory I have is, and no, certainly no disrespect to anybody out there that that's volunteered their time. It's definitely a special person that that wants to go out, but uh, just think about it. The numbers have grown so much. Uh, you know, when I was a young kid, the age group of parents and people that were responsible for being my coaches in that age group, there weren't that many hockey players. As my age group gets older and, and to where I'm at now, and, and my uh, you know generation starts to become coaches, there's a little bit more of us not just people willing to spend their time and volunteer their time and, and blow a whistle and organize the team and travel and practices, but people that actually played decent hockey. Right. And again, no disrespect to, to anybody that's volunteered their time. None of us would be here without those people. Um, and I think as the younger groups, certainly the kids I'm, I'm coaching now, that generation, as they get older, there's even more kids that have played at high level level hockey which means the pool to pull coaches from is even greater. And, uh, you know, I think that's honestly where it's going to start. Like you said, it's got to start at young ages. Like if a kid comes to me and he can't skate real well, maybe he works hard, but technically his stride isn't, isn't fantastic. I'm not fixing that in in four years. Right. You know, it it would take hours and hours and hours of work. He's already 18, 19, 20 years old and had 16 years of skating forming that habit i'm not breaking it yeah, right. it's too late yeah. you know so i, I think we got to catch these kids when they're you know first five years of, of playing hockey and i think uh you know having more people that understand this and, and understand hockey and, and know the game uh, at those levels coaching those kids is, is going to pay off in the long run in 2017 you became the second head coach in the history of the university of jamestown jimmies how did the move come about and and how was your time in Jamestown cold (laughs) (laughs) very cold 
Um, you know, you mentioned in the intro, I, uh, I'm also a, a U.S. Army reservist. It's kind of funny how I got that job. I was uh, took a year off in between juniors and my time in Jamestown to enlist in the the service, go to basic training, do all my my schooling, my AIT, all that kind of good stuff. And that uh, for me was uh, a little bit over an eight month process, about an eight and a half month process. And uh, yeah, honestly, when I did it. Uh, kind of thought I was going to be done with hockey. I, I was going to do that. I was going to go back home. I was going to serve on the weekends and, and work a nine to five job doing something, you know, put my, my business degree to use. And, and, you know, that was going to be it. Maybe down the road, I, I help out with a, a youth team or something, just get on the ice. And, uh, you know, I, I get through basic training and I'm, I'm going through all my other different schools to, to wrap up the initial training there. And I just started getting the itch. I, I, I knew I had to find a way to get back into a rink somewhere so you know once uh once i started getting access back to my phone and my computer and was able to get on the internet and you know start looking around that's all i did in my free time was search for hockey jobs coaching jobs apply anywhere and everywhere and luckily enough i was able to to land in jamestown and, and spend two years out there so you were taking over a newer program i believe you're the the, the second coach ever in the history yep. of the program how did your previous career stops help you to grow the program to two consecutive national tournament bids in your brief two-year helm uh, run at the helm there? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's the same thing. I, I try to tell my players, like, everywhere I've been, I, I've tried to learn something, um, whether it's learning by a positive example or, or figuring out what not to do. Um, and I, I think I, I've always tried to do that um maybe not even realize it myself uh but i think everything added up and, and i certainly had a good support system around me it was it was a pretty nerve-wracking situation i'll be honest it was my first head coaching job ever um i had just taken a year off of hockey so it's not like i was coming in with any kind of momentum or you know i was, I was rusty uh, <laughs> i was worried about getting on the ice the first day after not being <laughs> on the ice for a year <laughs> and now all of a sudden I got to run a practice and, and hopefully I can get up and down the ice a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, I had my first team meeting three days after my, my graduation from initial training. Like I, um, thankfully my parents were, were great. They packed up all my stuff. They packed up the U-Haul. They brought it up to me, um, in Virginia. I graduated, jumped in the car, said, see you later. I'm driving out to North Dakota. And they, they came up from South there. They're living in South Carolina now. So, um, you know, I, I took off and went to North Dakota and three days later I was having a, you know, my first team meeting and, um, it certainly was nerve wracking, but, uh, it was a great group of guys out there. Um, you know, certainly miss them. And, and I know a lot of them are graduated now and, and hope they're off to, to bigger and better things. And, um, yeah, it got me my start and, and ultimately I was able to end up at a, a pretty strong program at Ohio. So in 2019, you take the helm of the storied program uh, that is the Ohio University Bobcats. Yep. You go 24-8-4 in your first campaign. Uh, very impressive. What did you know previously about the Bobcats, and what led you to make the move to Athens? Yeah, so uh, before, I, um, before I applied for the job, I had actually been here twice. Uh, 2013 was my senior year of college. And I was going to ask you, was it for hockey reasons or nah, party reasons? <laughs> uh, it was both. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, 
my senior year of college, Ohio University hosted the ACHA All-Star Game. And I was uh, fortunate enough to be selected for that. So I came out here and uh, had a great time. Um, and, and, you know, we were sitting in the locker room after the game and I had four or five Ohio players on my team. They said, hey, we're, we're going to this establishment after the game. This is the, the hockey bar. Um, you guys are all, we're all teammates here tonight. Uh, we'll see you there. So nice. Wait, we, what, uh, what was it? Which one was it? Cat's eye. Crystal. Uh, I think it was Crystal. The casino. Yeah. yeah. So we had a good time there. I understand. Yeah. We had a great time. And of course, you know, we thought we were pretty cool being all-stars, uh, in the ACHA of all places. So yes. we, uh, you know, we, we had a great time and, and I really got a feel for, for what this campus was like. And then, uh, uh, my first year at Jamestown, um, I brought the team all the way out to Ohio and, and played them homecoming weekend. Um, and uh, it was a packed house. The energy on campus was awesome. Um, and, and it's funny, I, I look over to my assistant, who is a, a college buddy of mine, um, that it came out to Jamestown to help me out. and uh, kind of quietly lean over and say, could you imagine working, coaching in a place like this? Yeah. And, uh, you know, two years later, uh, my predecessor, Sean Hogan, um, and I have a couple mutual friends and I had caught wind that, uh, he was retiring and, and moving on and, and up to Michigan knew this job was going to open up. Um, so I, I did everything I could to, to get my foot in the door and, and get an interview. So quick question, your assistant coach that was at university of Jamestown that you made that comment to. Yep. Is he standing on the bench with you now? No, no, he's not. He, uh, he is an equipment manager over in Germany of all places. Uh, another one of his friends from back home is, is playing professionally over there and he was able to, to latch on with that team. So gotcha. he did not gotcha. make the move to Ohio with me. Gotcha. Well, Germany, Athens, it's, some, it's nights, kind of the same. some nights it's the same thing. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you go into the cat's eye some nights, you don't know what language is being spoke, but anyway, it's a good time. So, yeah, that's right. Your, your first season, you're having a great year, national tournament bid, ready to do some damage in the tournament, and the pandemic hits. What can you tell us about the moment you had to tell your team, and especially your seniors, that the national tournament was going to be canceled? That, uh, that was probably one of my hardest moments as a coach. I'll be honest. Um, that one hurt. Uh, we, we got back from the the conference tournament gave the guys, I think it was like four days off or so. Um, we had, we had a week and a half. So we, we had some time to take off and let the bodies heal, let them kind of relax a little bit. We, uh, we had a rough go at the conference tournament. Uh, we lost two nothing, but, um, I don't know if, if you guys followed that at all. The game before us went to five full 20 minute overtimes. Yep. Um, so our, I think the puck dropped at 1157. Our post game, food showed up at the arena like an hour and a half before we actually played the game. Uh, so we were all just sitting around and it, it was a rough weekend. So we took some time off, got back at it. I think we had one workout, one practice. Um, and <laughs> I feel bad now. I, I bagged the, the crap out of them. Uh, it was, it was a grinder that day. And I was like, all right, let's get a sweat going, get the bodies going, get back into it. And, um, the next morning is when when I went in locker room before practice said, guys, that's it. Season's over. And um, yeah, the seniors took it really hard. They had been every year 
the senior class last year had played in the championship game their freshman year and lost. And uh, I think we were all pretty confident that we, we certainly had an opportunity that year. We had the league MVP. We had uh, a stud starting goaltender. We had an elite um, number one defenseman. Uh, and then all the pieces in behind it that that you would want to make a run at a national championship. And unfortunately, we never got that opportunity. So now in your second season, unfortunately, you're having to still deal with the pandemic and, and COVID. Yeah. What has been the hardest part of this process? And what, if anything, can you see as a bright spot with all the time off and now hockey actually being played? The hardest part was honestly – from the start of the semester in, in August, late August, up until I would say middle of January, we had no idea if we were actually going to have a season or not. Um, and we skated for five weeks in the fall. They certainly were not Sunday skates. Like we worked hard. We were in small groups. We had seven, eight guys on the ice at once, um, trying to be safe and keep everybody distanced and, and whatnot. And, but we, we pushed, pushed the pace and really worked hard and learned a lot and, and really grew and developed through that time. And it was really tough to, to kind of manage that um, and keep the expectations high, keep the motivation high when it was still a, a big question mark. And, and, you know, not, not just that, but, you know, for, for me and the coaching staff, we were on the ice four hours a day running practice, but then still had to jump through all the hoops and do all the administrative work of, figuring out how we were going to operate through a pandemic. Mm-hmm. So there were some really long days and really a lot of days behind the computer and um, pretty stressful and trying to, to make everything happen. And luckily enough, we were able to pull something off and, and we're playing games now. And so far, knock on wood, we haven't really had too many issues. That's awesome. Well, for, for our young listeners out there and maybe someone on the cusp of deciding what route they want to take in hockey, be it, you know, the high school, the junior to college, what advice could you give the young player looking for their next avenue in hockey? Figure out what your end goal is and work backwards from there. So if they want to play at Ohio University, for example, start working backwards. Look at my roster now. Look at where most of my players are coming from, at least the, the top players or the players that are playing all the time, and try to get to that level. For for most of our guys, it's it's – junior hockey somewhere, some elite level tier three where they're having a lot of success. We have a lot of tier two guys on the team as well. Um, so set that as your goal and then continue the process. Look at, look at an, an NA team. Where do they get all their players from and try to get to that level and do the same process all the way down to wherever you're at now. Um, that's the best advice. And if your goal is to play at Ohio state, same thing, where do they pull their players from? And, you know, keep working back down the ladder until, you know, you can connect the dots somehow. So I think that's great advice. I mean, you know, I'm an educator and we have this thing called backwards design and you actually provide the students with the test before you teach them the lesson. So, you so it's, it you know, whether or not that's a good teaching tool or not, but I think, Coach, I think that's great advice. Like players in in – eighth grade high school should should really have an idea of where they want to go and look and and i i haven't heard it that way jay i don't know have you i haven't heard it that way before 
And that, that's, that's, that, that's a good point coach. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, so what's the plan for you and the Bobcats uh, with the rest of the season? You know, is there going to be a league tournament? Is there going to be a national tournament? Where are we at in the season now? Uh, and what's the plan for you guys in the future? Uh, well, we are, um, we're eight games in. We have about 10 left. So we're right about the, the midway point of what our regular season is going to look like this year. Uh, there is going to be a national tournament. Um, it's going to be out in the, the St. Louis area this year. Uh, and that's going to happen mid-April. Um, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to have a, a conference tournament this year. Uh, there's five teams in our conference. Two of them are, are taking the year off. So it doesn't really make sense for the three of us, the three left, to uh, have an official championship. Um, we are going to play a round robin between the three teams um, later on in March. Uh, our conference, even though we, we aren't officially having a championship, still gets an auto bid to nationals. Um, so we're just going to do a, an unofficial round robin to decide who that, that uh, auto bid is going to be. Um, who are the other two teams? Lindenwood and uh, Iowa State. Okay. Yep. So. We'll, that, uh, we're where's all, that going to be held at? Where's that round robin going to be held at? Yeah, Lindenwood's going to host because they're either the neutral site. They're in between both of us, so um, also in the St. Louis area. Uh, so that uh, that's the plan: keep growing, keep developing, um, coming together as a team. We got to get some guys back healthy. Uh, last couple of weeks, we've had three or four guys out of our, our top six forward group out with injury, and it's certainly been tough to overcome, but. Um, you know, ultimately we want to make a push and, and we're pretty confident. I know our record isn't maybe where we want it to be, but we're playing all the top teams. We don't have any, you know, quote unquote, easy games this year. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to avoid that. Um, and we're pretty confident that guys are learning some lessons, getting some valuable experience right now. And, you know, <laughs> I think we can all appreciate in, in 2020 or 2021, anything can happen. Yeah, for sure. sure. True. Well, well, Coach, thank you so much for joining us, talking to us about your path, about the Ohio University uh, hockey team. Um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say this uh, before we, we left tonight. Uh, with your job as United States Army Reservist, we thank you for your service to our country. Appreciate that. And I know I get that speaks volumes uh, uh, more than hockey. So thank you for that. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. Be happy to do it again. All right, good luck the rest of the way, and good luck in, uh, in your round robin, and hopefully you, you get a chance to get in the national tournament. Thanks again, Coach. That's uh, Coach Bell from Ohio University. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. Find out how to try out for a junior hockey team in your area at usphl.com. Well, Jay, first of all, the start of our show was very exciting. You know, we, we were so happy that uh, Tim Driscoll, commissioner of the Tri-State Collegiate Hockey League, uh, contacted us and wanted to use our platform as the platform to announce that the University of Michigan will be joining the Tri-State Collegiate Hockey League. Uh, and then he had uh, coach on Ryan with him. And it was exciting to talk to Tim, to Tim Driscoll, the commissioner, about this edition and then to see the excitement on coach's face when he was talking to us about it. So I think it's going to be a great addition. Obviously, it will be. You get those rivalries, the Ohio State-Michigan. You get not only the Ohio State-Michigan, but you also get like that, you know, the Big Ten. 
you get the old CCHA feel again. So uh, congratulations to Tim, Dr- Tim Driscoll and University of Michigan for joining the Tri-State Collegiate Hockey League. Yeah, the uh, uh, history is not lost in the Tri-State Collegiate Hockey League. And the fact that uh, Coach Driscoll, or excuse me, Commissioner Driscoll, sorry, Coach, and uh, he spoke about the, the guys at Miami, uh, 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 Coach Norton down there, they, they spoke about getting that old CCHA feel with, you know, BG and with uh, Miami and uh, Ohio State and, and Michigan now. And, and the excitement that the Tri-States League is bringing to college hockey in the ACHA and, and having a, a, another storied institution like Michigan join, um, you know, you are, like we talked about, you know, the, the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, you have the Louisville and Kentucky, University of Kentucky uh, rivalry. You, you just have such excitement for hockey. And, and the, the schools are natural rivals and, and you position it right. And everybody's pretty much located in and around each other. So, you know, you can have fans make the drive and, and make the trek. And I mean, you know, we joke around and we talk about making the trek to, to Lexington for the midnight madness in Kentucky. And we're definitely going to do that at some point here, but you know, it, it's coach Driscoll has the league going in the right direction and he has an excitement growing in the, in the league. And, uh, the fact that Michigan gets to be a part of that now is is just excellent for hockey, and it's excellent for rivalries. It's excellent for the fans. It's excellent for the bystanders like ourselves checking in weekly just to see where everything's going. So it was awesome that that Co- Commissioner Driscoll decided to use our platform for this, and you know, obviously, uh, we're going to be hitting him up for some some good vending machine money there at the Midnight Madness. Absolutely. So I'm I'm going to just I'm going to kind of segue into this. Because then we had an awesome conversation uh, with Ohio University head coach Cole Bell, but we, but we talk before we talk about that. Ohio University is in a league in the Central States Hockey League that comprises of five schools, and the schools are in Ames, Iowa, St. Charles, Missouri, which is right outside St. Louis, Chicago, Illinois. In Champlain, Illinois, and then them in Ohio. Mm-hmm. How great would it be? And how, I mean, what would what, what would it do to the tri-state? And, and I and I believe it's two different divisions. Mm-hmm. But what would it mean mean if that could transition into getting like bringing OU over to that? I mean, outside of the divisional, <clears throat> you know, being one and two. Yeah, it would be awesome. No, I get that. I mean, but, but it would be absolutely insane. But but think about think about what OU is doing right now when it comes to uh, their league. What I mean, they're, they're three, three of five are playing. Three, so three of five are playing, right? Yeah, and what but, do you say Iowa State and Lindenwood or Lindenwood. Yeah, Lindenwood. Ro- yeah. Roosevelt is not playing, and U of I University of Illinois is not playing. Yeah. But let's say in a in a normal year, their league is. Pretty much, I mean, it's it's not west of, of Mississippi. Pretty damn close. Yeah. I mean, that's that's eight nine hour trip every time. Mm-hmm. I, I, Iowa probably longer. And imagine staying up and down 71, 75, 271. Right. Imagine what the fan bases would be like, and the and the just just the atmospheres. 
yeah, I mean, it would be out, outside of their divisional differences, and that's on paper. It would be it would be absolutely amazing. So you're gonna have to put that together and talk to Commissioner Driscoll about that. Yeah, it just it just I mean I don't know it just I was thinking about that when when Coach Bell was talking about his his league and the the strides that uh, Coach or I'm sorry that Commissioner Driscoll is making as well. But anyhow, let's talk about that discussion. But with, but, but but here's yeah. another thing though too in regard to that some of these schools I know Kent State has one, uh, Ohio University has one where they have a Division One and a Division Three. So what if the division three became division two? I don't know. I don't know what the stipulations are to, to change. However, uh, it's a good point. It's a good point. However, you know, I mean, you, you, could, you add, you add, you add a Kent state who's got a division three ACHA team. Mm-hmm. They also have a division one ACHA team and they're not in the central States. So you go one and two. They used to be. So you go one and two. let's say you go one and two. Right. So you have a division one division two. Now you have, your division, if you take your division threes, which again, I do not, I forgive the ignorance. I do not know what the stipulations are between uh, three to two, but you make, you somehow work your way into two. And now you have an immediate impact in your area as a division two team. You still have your division ones. They still, they're still doing playing where they're playing, who they're playing against, but your division two gets an automatic bump, if you will, because of all the other teams in the area. That could be something exciting. I'd like to talk to uh, Commissioner Driscoll about that. Like taking the tri-states, and you don't want to make something too big, right? Right. Because when it becomes too big, it, it, it just doesn't work. It gets diluted. Absolutely. And, and the elite league that he is is trying to form is – And has. And, and, and is has. adding I mean, to – And is adding to, yeah. Yeah, it's I, unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And, and, you know, I really enjoy that conversation. Any And the two conversations we have with, we've had with them has yeah. been great. Our conversation with Coach Bell was was an interesting one. He is, I mean, well, start off with the guy is serving our country. Yep, and that should be the highlight of this entire conversation in my in my mind. How about the fact be. that he chose to do that later? Right. He took a year off of his coaching to do that. Right. I mean, that's life changing. And then he decides to go take a a, a coaching job in North Dakota. Takes them, takes the uh, University of Jamestown, right? Mm-hmm. To two national bids. And then takes the story program of Ohio University uh, in 2019. A loaded His, team. A loaded team. And then they get shut down, Jay. They get shut down. I know. I mean, I, I appreciate him saying it's not this year, you know, his record doesn't show you know, what, what's going on in the program. I mean, listen, yeah. coach, hey, I want to say this coach, you're, you're, you're probably not going to be judged on this year because of your record. I mean, everyone's had to jump through hoops and everything else to try to just get the guys back on the ice. Mm-hmm. Ohio university to have that job and to be the head coach of Ohio university. That's, I mean, that's an honor Yeah, and kudos to him, but I appreciate him talking about, you know, the tradition of the, of the program and, and what kids need to do that, you know, that whole working backwards idea, mm-hmm. that was pretty, that was a pretty uh, mm-hmm. profound statement. It's, it's, uh, it seems obvious. And it's, well, that's done. the problem. It seems obvious, right? I know. That's the thing. It's, 
I mean, you can look up every roster under the sun and see where these guys are from. And now are, it's, it's no different than trying to make your way there. Are you willing to put the work in? So not only do you have to find out who's on the roster, then you got to find out where they played. Then you got to find out how they got there. And then you got to go to the second, uh, the previous location and, and keep working back. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Just as it's a lot of work to start in youth minor hockey and you work your way up and up and whatever path you want to take, there's a million different paths to get to the same location. That's a lot of work too. That's why so few make it. As we know, we know a lot of good guys, a lot of very talented hockey players that didn't make it so to speak. And, but that's all in how you look at it. You know, you got guys that had, and, and even coach mentioned it. One of his influences at I believe it was Lebanon Valley was a guy that uh or was it, yeah Lebanon Valley was a guy that uh had a successful minor hockey career. Right. That's a success. You played professionally. The NHL is is the ultimate goal for every kid. Obviously, there's no question about it in the world, not just here, but in the world, not just North America, the world. But successes and how, uh, how you look at it. Right. I mean, he was having a successful career at Jamestown and he decided to make this move. So, Hey man, good, good on him. The fact that they're playing right now, the fact that the, all the hoops they had to jump through, um, not an envious position to have to tell a very successful team and a very senior uh, laden team that uh, it's over. No, not fun. Not <clears throat> what's over. And, and we've had that, that conversation with others at the high school level, the junior level, the college level, uh, the pro level, and not an envious position. But, you know, in, in looking at his body of work, be it playing, you know, coming up with not very many teams and just trying to play at the highest level he could to coaching at the highest level he could, at least to, to current, and and his dis- decision to step away and, and join the military. I mean, man, shoot for the moon. All you're going to do is hit the stars if you don't. So yeah, absolutely. Good on him. Good on Coach Bella and continued success down there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we want to thank uh, Tim Driscoll, commissioner of the Tri-State Collegiate Hockey League and head coach of the University of Michigan ACHA team, Ryan Brown, for joining us in the first segment. And, of course, we want to thank Cole Bell, the head coach of the Ohio University Bobcats, for joining us. Next week, we'll have former Gilmore star Annie Fitzgerald of Northeastern University. This is On Air. As we continue to grow the game as best as we can, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast, On Air.